Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Sean and I sit down and talk about the new teaching series at Coastline called The Uncommon Life, where we are looking at the ways in which the Christian life is uncommon. So in this episode, we talk a lot about foolishness and wisdom in the way that the world works. It's a great episode if you have been liking this teaching series, and this is just going to give you more insight and context as to why Sean chose this as our next series and where the series is going. I'm really excited for this. We're going to be looping the podcast in with the teaching series as well, talking to believers that have led uncommon lives in Christ against the foolishness or wisdom of the world. And so make sure you are sticking around and listening to those episodes next week and every single week after that. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. You have been to church at Coastline on Sunday mornings at this point. You guys, we did it. Look at this. What a treat. Well, spoiler alert, we're recording this before that happened, so I hope it goes well. You weren't supposed to. I know, but now that I'm, now that the humor is funny, because the person listening to this is like, oh. Listener, Hunter gave me a long setup about how I couldn't reference that we'd recorded another podcast today. And here he was, is okay, breaking okay. his very first rule <laughs> okay, in yeah. 30 seconds unprompted. The number one rule, honestly, of like doing these podcasts is context. You want people to be able to jump in and listen and feel like, okay, I can listen like to this in September or mm-hmm. I can listen to this in November or whatever. But now I'm realizing that never happens because we often have very time sensitive podcasts. Like tomorrow, this is happening at Coastline. Sure. This is what happened at Easter. So yeah, the jig is up. We're recording this in June, 2019. We are looking towards going to Sunday mornings, but it hasn't actually happened yet. But by the time you listen to it, it will have happened. <laughs> How do you think it went? <laughs> do you know what? Like sitting from this spot, I'm most worried about Michael. Like I'm curious about where Michael will be at the time this drops because of what he will have had to do. Everybody else is going to be fine. Yeah. Michael, who knows? Who knows? Who knows how he's going to make it? I hope that he hears this and he feels like, wait a second, why did you doubt me? Like, why, why did don't you doubt? Him? I just, I just worry about him. He's, he's a good guy, a good friend. I just, I'm worried that we're putting too much work on him and he's going to, you know, you're worried about that now. <laughs> See, um, <laughs> yes, it took I'm this long it. for you to be worried about you know, all the amount of work you put on all of us. You're worried about it now. This podcast, it's a light bulb moment. This is starting off like all of our podcasts do. We've already lost it's the it. point. It's the point. <laughs> I just want to unpack now sitting in an office on like a big week. You're like, maybe these people work too much. <laughs> this is, I mean. We know how to work hard. It's what we do best. And we know how to play hard, baby. (laughs) The coastline anthem and motto. No, today we're going to be talking about the new teaching series, which did Mm -hmm. start Sunday. We're looking towards it. By the time you're hearing this, we have already done the first one, but we're looking towards Mm -hmm. it. Uncommon life. Yeah. Which I like the title. Cool. I love the graphic Rochelle made. I know. So sick. I know she did a good one. Shout out Rochelle. Dope graphic. When you hear uncommon life, the first thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. is like- your athlete or like your underdog story sure. or you're someone who overcame the odds mm-hmm. and you stood out and you were different mm-hmm. and therefore you rose to the top of what it was you were trying to do. Yeah. But that's not really what the sermon series is about. No. So that's what I love. Like to really get what uncommon life's about, you have to hear the reason it's called this. And so that's kind of what this podcast was like, mm-hmm. wh- why are we calling it uncommon life and what does it mean? And where are we going in the past or the next few weeks? And so I want to ask you, part of this came to you in the pandemic, like deep quarantine Mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> feeding my stress and my sadness with internet content. Yeah. So you'll talk a little bit about that, but say some right now, like how did a time that many of us don't want to go back to both physically and emotionally, sure. how did that spawn this teaching series? Yeah. Well, I think a part of it for me was that I found myself, I think like a lot of us just disappearing into my phone, right? Especially during the pandemic when we're at home and we're a little bit scared and for me, a little bit sad and found my phone was a great place to escape and finding myself entering into all kinds of just internet content, like just recipes and finance and getting into working out more and finding myself just kind of cruising through channels of people telling me the right way to do so many things. And I found myself becoming just a bigger and bigger consumer of a more and more beautiful, well-manicured life. Quote, beautiful. Sure, right? But finding myself taking the hook, finding myself being drawn in. And this became the conviction I had. As like I came to realize that what was happening is that I was actually being discipled through the content that I was looking at and taking in. Meaning, it was giving me a picture about what my life could look like or should look like. And I was buying into it and was drawn to it and was moving towards it. And I thought, man, they're not selling me a product. There's nothing that I'm supposed to go and buy and purchase. It's not a commercial for something that I'm to enjoy. They're giving me their a mm-hmm. picture of their life that I am in this moment desiring. And I'm beginning to change things in my life to try to get something that, that here's the deal. They probably don't have as well. Was there anything in the pandemic though? Like you had that moment where you're like, maybe if I do buy this, I'll feel better. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about this on Sunday, right? So much you, so much of it was about travel. I just wanted to run yeah. away. Yeah. I just want to run away. And we had these big ideas. Like I was going to go live in Costa Rica for two months. Like it was all about getting- During a- COVID? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But like, and that became the thing. Like I wanted to, and I was scared to, but I looked at these other people and they sure seemed like they were doing it well. And why am I not doing it well? And it became this thing that I was really drawn to. Yeah, I think for me, phone use in the pandemic, especially things I would watch, it was all either fantasy or control. Sure. Like I wanted to be gone. I wanted to not be in the circumstance I was in, but I also wanted to know everything. So Mm -hmm. I literally, for probably March to June, Mm -hmm. watched every single one of Gavin Newsom's noon like press conferences. Wow. I watched every single one because I thought if I... Maybe I will hear like the secret word of like when we're going to be able to go back to church again. And you could re- tell us 30 seconds before we saw it on Twitter. And that was the win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't on Twitter at the time. So it was easy. <laughs> uh, it was easy for me to really believe that. But like, I think so much of what we're being sold is this image of your life could be this or like you can gain control of your life finally. Yeah. And then so how does that spawn a teaching series? Well, like part of it became realizing that my own desires were being shaped, right? Like I really saw it in myself that I was starting to desire these things that I was being told that I should desire. But then it came out in two more more cynical and I thought more dangerous ways. One was with watching friends and family kind of get sucked into some of the conspiracy theories that existed right. out there and watching there be an increased level of fear just coming through watching people, you know, filming this internet content in a truck on their phone, right? And just... Oh, boy. And watching that, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, this is... As much as I'm dreaming about Costa Rica, this is taking up that space in their heads. And then also realizing that there's a whole section of like Christian internet, like like Twitter, Instagram, whatever it would be, that's also kind of... You'd call... I mean, Hunter, you know about this even more than I do, like ex-evangelical, like yeah, looking yeah. at Christianity, poking fun out of it in a fun way, and then times at a, a cynical way, and at times like pointing at it as a dangerous way. Mm-hmm. And seeing that 
you know, some people really close to me, their faith is kind of changing it through it too. And I began to realize all of this stuff is shaping our desires, shaping our fears, shaping our faith. How much of these things are turning into idols? Yeah, I I think it's... Because <sighs> the I way think, you're describing it, it reminds me of that C.S. Lewis quote, our hearts are idol-making factories. Yeah, they are. I think part of it is that we're drawn to the idea of having the answers. Mm-hmm. I think we all desperately want to have a life of meaning and purpose. Even if we're not, and this is what Peter Dunn said today, even if we're not consciously aware that we're asking that question, we still have a very clear idea in our mind of what the answer is. Yeah, totally. If we're not wrestling with the questions, at least we have a, a picture of the answer about what that might be. And so I think that we're asking these things. And at the same time, when we're consuming this kind of content, we're also sitting on a couch. We're lying <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it does two things, right? In our laziness and in our inactivity, we're being given a picture of somebody who has the answers, is active, is doing it all. And it creates a sense of, I think, greater longing in our heart for something, anything. And it shapes an idol. So, I mean, obviously, like the answer is Jesus, right? Like, oh, Jesus <laughs> should be discipling you and stuff. But like, if Jesus offers us this life, you know, like, He's the way, the truth, the life. He offers us like this ultimate meaning and he offers us this ultimate family and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And like literally no matter what you've done, no matter what version of yourself you are, Mm -hmm. you're accepted and loved by him. As a pastor, where do you think that distance comes from? Like where like I'm watching the person on my phone and that's more attractive to me than like meaning through Christ. Yeah. And this is where like I I love our team because I think like Garrick would have such a great answer to that question. (laughs) You know, honestly, like I would love to hear him dig into that. I think... (sighs) Part of the thing is that always living and following an invisible God is a challenge for us. It takes us to silence our hearts, to be still before him, to learn to listen to the spirit and to live in pursuit of that. That is takes so much discipline and a quieter life than what you and I mostly Mm. live. It's so much easier to have somebody hold up an idol in front of us of their life or an answer or something to be afraid of and to follow that further. And so for me, being kind of a guy who naturally leans towards the Bible. like, And I just started going to the text going, what is the answer to people who who are just having a hard time figuring out what it, what should be important in life? And I was drawn to 1 Corinthians. Yeah. 1 Corinthians grabbed my attention. And Paul really opens up with this idea of like, there is a way to live that is wise, which I think we want, right? He says, there's a way to live that's wise, but it looks like foolishness. And if you live by what the world says is wise, you're going to find you're actually going to live into a different kind of foolishness. And right. so that idea there's a way to live that is wise that we usually pass over because it looks like foolishness. That grabbed me and I thought that is the key to the uncommon life. It is to learning to live by Christ's wisdom and not by the wisdom that's just around us. And that shaped the series into what it is. And my real hope is that we just, you know, as always, we always need to be a repenting people. We'd be a people who return back to calling Jesus Lord and following his ways and doing it through his power. And we'd be aware that Satan's great attempt is to get us to listen to any voice other than Jesus. So first Corinthians obviously is very local. Like Mm -hmm. Paul is speaking to a particular Mm -hmm. church at a particular moment. And I would say that their version of wisdom was very Corinthian. Yeah. Our version of wisdom in 2022 is universal. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can go on my phone and I can see what somebody a billion miles away from me Mm -hmm. who lived 500 years ago, their version of wisdom. And I can adopt that as my own. You know what I mean? And I can also go on TikTok and someone with a million followers saying this, that, or the other thing about creation or sexuality in the Bible, whatever. 
I could say, oh, that's now my new worldview. So mm-hmm. the idea of wisdom is now so much more diverse than it's mm-hmm. ever been. You know, mm-hmm. so many things can be considered wisdom. What would you say to someone who is listening to this and saying like, yeah, but my phone, yeah, but that person on TikTok is so much more appealing than than what I maybe would be hearing at church. I guess it's kind of the same way, same question I was asking before, but like specifically with our phones, like specifically with things like YouTube and TikTok, like they are discipling us. Sure. You know, like for you, like what's the challenge? Like when you go up on a Sunday, are you like, how do I become more compelling than these people? How do I have a better argument? Or what are you trying to do in order to pull people away from that? Well, okay. This is exactly my prayer life going into church, into work today, right? Okay. So on the way to work today, what I was praying them, I was, so I got into work early today. I was here you did. before eight, you did. I was in here and it's because I was stressed because I've got a, this is week one of the sermon and you know, week one, you always have to kind of set the stage and I was feeling all of the pressure of it. And there became this realization of like, well, I need to actually repent of that. Meaning like it is not on me to be wiser or smarter than every person on the internet and to out argue every person that maybe is taking up space in our people's brains. It's not on me. And this is partly reflecting a little bit about what Andrew shared Mm -hmm. uh, this last week when he preached. It is to point them to Christ and to point to him as being the source and the answer. And I just need to keep doing that. And that's actually what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, you have a ton of smart people in your church, and I'm not here to try to come and preach with eloquence. Instead, I came and preached one thing, Christ and Christ crucified. And so... That's what I have to keep telling myself. I don't need to be more compelling, have a better edit, be funnier, have a better live stream than whoever else is on the internet. What my job is to keep pointing to Christ as being the source of all wisdom and all power. And if people look to that, not to me, but to that, then that's where they're going to find an uncommon life. That is different than maybe the way we would define an uncommon life, which is more luxury, more experiences, more love, a better body, whatever it might be. It's to find a life that is looks more like Jesus and where I'm beginning to live like he did. What does the uncommon life for the Christian lead to ultimately, in your opinion? Well, I think it's going to lead towards deeply and profoundly loving other people. Mm. And I think that's where ultimately 1 Corinthians ends, right? Well, it doesn't end there, but I think the theological high point of 1 Corinthians is the love chapter. Mm-hmm. And when we see that chapter, we think it's like, this is something for weddings. It's a, a great poetic thing. But it's, it's not. What I think it actually is, is that the primary issue for the Corinthian church is that they're not loving one another. And they're not loving one another because they haven't really loved Christ. And you see that playing out all throughout the entire book. I mean, this is a church where they are sleeping with other people's spouses. They're suing one another in court. They're taking communion, getting drunk when other people aren't even, haven't partaken yet. They're hugely divided by class and by who they follow. It's a church that's forgotten how to love one another. And the answer is for them to return to a deep love of Christ, let that live in their hearts, and then love out of that. And so, in a time that is so tribal, in a time where there are such deep boundaries between old and young, men and women, conservative, progressive, Republican, Democrat, what is the hope for a church? How can we possibly hope to do that? It's not by trying to find more thinkers who affirm what we do. It is to return back to the message of Christ which First Corinthians would say, that is wisdom. It just looks like foolishness. Yeah, but it is foolish. You're right. I mean, that's part of the crazy part, right? It's that the message of Jesus, that God took on human flesh and humbled himself and washed people's feet and touched them in their disease and sat with them in the midst of their adulterous sin. And, you know, that same Messiah went to a cross and died for us is a crazy message. 
that our hope is God in flesh dying for us, and yet it's the true answer. And so it's repenting of everything that seems appealing and, and returning back to that. Talk about uncommon. About the word uncommon? Yeah. I mean, no, no, I'm saying like talk about that's just uncommon. Oh, yeah. Like right. That, yeah. Like to think about a religion that God identifies with you so much that he dies. Well, yeah. And we, we've said this before. Every other religion on the planet is climb that mountain and get to right, God right. through your own efforts and through your own prayers and through your own discipline. And here's, you know, Christianity is, no, no, it doesn't, you cannot possibly ever get to him. So he's going to lower himself to you and to take on all of your sin to give you all of his righteousness. It's just a crazy, it's a crazy story, which again, Paul's point, it looks like foolishness. Yeah. It's not like anything else out there. And yet it's the wisdom and power of God. Yeah. There's something to be said about how so many of the things that we identify with on the internet are like how to be in this type of shape or like how to get this money or how to like get this brand or this image, you know? And you think about the uncommon thing there is like, oh, you don't need that. Like in the life of Christ, like just embrace that you can't get those things. Mm-hmm. And like you only find meaning through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you told that to an influencer, like, hey, the message of Jesus is you don't have to do anything to earn ultimate meaning. They'd be like, no, yeah, that's sure. not true. Right. Yeah. But that's the uncommon life. And again, what social media tends to do, and again, Hunter, you know this way better than I do, you know, it connects you to other similar right. influencers and, and channels and the algorithm, you know, and so in a sense, you end up listening to people who think and act just like you. And that's the yeah. thing about the church. The church is the exact opposite. It's where you come together with people who are vastly mm-hmm. different than you, who've been saved by the work that Jesus did. And so I, I worry in all of you know my pastoral instincts that the more that we consume media like this, and get discipled by media like this, it makes it harder for us to actually be the church because we become less and less familiar with how to be with people who are different than us. And I think so many people post-COVID found an opportunity to try a different church or try a different stream of thinking that aligned more with them because we just felt so much more emboldened to be right. Mm -hmm. So many things were up for grabs in Mm -hmm. COVID. And so it's like, I need to be right about these five things and I need to only be part of communities that are right about these five things. Sure. And it's just hard because, yeah, I want to go to church people who are different than me. Here's, I've got this working theory. I don't know if I've said this to you yet, but I feel like so many relationships that I have or people who are in relationships with one another in my life, I just see like they've changed on the other side of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just Absolutely. different now. Like it's weird. It's like all of us were changed in a profound way by mm-hmm. it. And we continue to discover like, oh, these relationships that were close before are just less so now. Mm. And I'm seeing that like with friends who just can't get together anymore, families yeah. who can't get together anymore. It's just, it changed so much for us. Well, we had to ask what's important. Mm-hmm. And people don't think you're important. no we had we we had to look at ourselves and say what is worth it you know like we had everything taken away from us i mean some of us literally lost family members Mm -hmm. to this thing and so like post-covid things like oh let's go get a beer like let's go for a trip like those some people would say that's probably trivial yeah that just doesn't matter to me anymore as much as it used to i have tons of friends i can think of several off the top of my head who made major life decisions during COVID. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, this has been here the whole time. They yeah. were like, oh, now I now I feel the freedom to actually do this thing. Sure. Which is, it's interesting, you know, because it's not like it exposed all of these like, oh, I hated this and I didn't like that. And I finally had the space to think about it. It was mm-hmm. like, I saw that everything was a question mark. And so yeah. like, I think of my friends, like my, my really, really good friend who quit his job. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't think I should be working so much. Yeah. And when did you think of that? Not mm-hmm. not pre-COVID when you were working really hard. Like yeah. you're like, yeah, maybe I don't need to work so hard anymore. Yeah. And that's super uncommon because now he's finding meaning and being still and having space and really working on his own identity. It's just fascinating. I, I just yeah. think 
the book that someone writes in 30 years about everybody's psychology post COVID. Yeah. That's going to be a good book. Yeah. And I think that as we start to grab for new meaning or purpose coming out of that, the things that we grab onto, again, they all can be really good things. I mean, working less can be a heck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't give your life and your soul to your work. I just want our people to make sure that like that Christ is at the center of that, or maybe even I would say rather than putting him at the center of that say, he is the lenses that we see everything through, mm-hmm. that we're constantly evaluating everything against. How does this live up to the wisdom of the gospel? Yeah. And the wisdom of the cross. And that's what I want for people. I just don't want us, I don't want us to be fooled or discipled by something without thinking about it. That's good. And, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good question for us to ask our people, you know, what are you being discipled by? Mm-hmm. Like take stock of your life, take stock of your weeks. Like if you went to the doctor and you're like, my stomach hurts, they'd be like, make a food journal. Make, sure. Make a disciple sure. journal, make a media journal. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Having a voice in your life and that you're listening to. Yeah. And then, you know, compare it to someone else's or compare it to where it was two years ago. What is it like? You know, what's sure. changed? Sure. And it's things big and small. Like I think the funny thing about influencing is like, it's so silly most of the time, right? We're not even aware of how it's influencing us because it's so passive and we just scroll. I think the news obviously is a more direct one. Where it like it influences us at a you know at a much more caustic level, yeah. an emotional level. You know, people well, come out news. angry, yeah, yeah. But like it, it's actively trying to influence us and give us a worldview that lines up with theirs. But like then, I mean, I know that I've told this to you too. Like with pornography, like I tell you, I could always tell a student who's yeah. wrestling with pornography by the jokes that they tell because you know it influences us, like mm-hmm. right, and we're so easily influenced. And I just fear that the crisis diminishing in that. So that's in the series. I wanted to go after that. I love that. I think it's super timely, super poignant. So let's say someone comes this week, 1130, of course, not at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there week one. How many weeks is the series? Well, I wrote it for eight. I think we're going to take it down to seven because I'm really excited about the next Which we'll series. talk about when we talk yeah, about man, it. So we're... you're there for seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Where do you want someone to be seven weeks from now? Yeah, that's super good. I would love for them to do is to be able to look at the scriptures again and see them as being the source of wisdom for their life that they need to orient everything else around. I was reading a quote by Dane Ortland today, and he said, the challenge in our world is that there's so many places that we can get really good advice from, our parents, friends, counselors, and therapists. He said, but in the end, our, our parents pass on, our counselors retire, our friendships change over the course of time. But Scripture alone has the power to make sages out of fools. Mm. And I thought that is my hope is that we would look less to what everybody else is saying and to start to shape our life around the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus and to allow that to be the the kind of rudder of our lives instead of whether it be our emotions or what other people are telling me, my friendships are telling me, or the things I'm seeing in the media. You know, it's just it's to go back to scripture again and again and give it greater authority in our lives. And that's like not just a authority in our lives that exists yeah. alongside of many other things, but it's like the shaping of my reality, the source of wisdom. And to realize anything else that the world might give is, is actually foolishness. Yeah. I think the question I would ask, you know, to go with that Dane Ortland idea is like, what have you put your life? What have you let disciple you? And where is it now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. where is that fad? Yeah. Where is that? Mm-hmm. movement you know wh- mm-hmm. where is that tv show where is that person now yeah, yeah like what has it actually given them and what has it given you and mm-hmm. i i totally think that's good because 
we're always looking for the next thing. And sure. when that one thing didn't work out, we're always like, oh, well, that wasn't the thing. Mm-hmm. But the next one will be the thing. But it's mm-hmm. never the thing. And yeah. so to give that thing over to the Bible or, you know, Jesus is the ultimate authority, I think that's a really challenging place for us. Yeah. Because what it does is it forces you to not see yourself as being like the star of the movie. Yeah. You're not the hero anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's not about you. It's about giving glory and worship to Jesus. And in that context, finding our identity and our purpose, allowing our lives to kind of fall after his, I think that's the point. If every person is living their life as if they're the star of the focus, you know, this the Truman show about them. Should we ever be surprised when every relationship Mm. falls apart between parent and child a man and a woman, you know, wherever it might be, like friendships, if every person imagines that they're the star, the focus, how could any of it work? I mean, that's a good question. And I bet like so many people, myself included, I just never think about life in terms of that because I am the star. Yeah. Where, where else can I go besides my own head? Yeah. Where else can I go? Like, of course I'm the star, but to then to zoom out and be like, oh, okay, no, wait, no, no. It's that's it's very yeah. challenging. I don't think I'm going to go to church for seven weeks. I don't think I can hear this message. I don't think I can listen. Yeah. And again, what I hope is, I was telling Eric this today, it, there's so much content out there that you could grab on the internet that's like fun to bring into a sermon like this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's yeah, just yeah, yeah. so much of it. But the point isn't to look at like other people and say like, Haha, look at them. Right. Dumb fools. But it's to look at them and go, man, isn't that always us? We are one is always second us. away from that you being know, us. Boy, don't we always believe that, you know, one more thing is going to make me happier oh. or that this is where Preach. the answer really lies. I mean- we so easily fool ourselves and live into into that again. So I think it's to just kind of, again, realize, man, I am incredibly human. I'm incredibly frail and God profoundly loves me and he is pursuing me desperately. And the life that I want is found in just letting him love me and living in that love. I letting it shape my life. That's the better story. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great way to end. I just like the idea that like Christianity is supposed to be distinct. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, quote, both sides are trying to pull Christianity towards itself. You know, like mm-hmm. it's supposed to look like this and look like this. And it's like the other side always says like your Christianity looks too much like the world. And they're both right. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. And there's something so distinct about Christianity. But like you hear that, like stand out, be a Christian, be different. But I really like the invitation to be uncommon. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about like sticking out distinct, like that underdog mentality we talked about. But it's mm-hmm. just like being uncommon. Yeah. Like you don't have to be discipled by your phone. Yeah. Guess what? Stop posing in front of the camera and, you know, actually start living with Jesus and loving other people. And take and pictures of that. <laughs> stop. You know, maybe it's not about you finding the better angle, but it's about you living for something bigger than that. Last question. Mm-hmm. Resources you want to point people to in this sermon series? What's been influencing you? What's been mm-hmm. kind of guiding your theological pastoral ship as you write this sermon series. You know, what's funny is that usually I I have a list of them, which is why I normally ask. Yeah, I know. In this one, actually, I I think I have less of one. Uh I think what's really shaped me is living in first Corinthians. And it was me coming up with this question of going, who's shaping us and then coming back, back to that. So if there's some that come up along the way, I'll bring them up. But this one, I think honestly come to church, listen, enjoy it and get into the text. I think that there's some really great answers in first Corinthians. Cause I think it's a church that looks a lot like mm-hmm. every church. Oh yes. Not just us, oh, yes. but every church. There's yeah. moments where God's moving profoundly there among some, I mean, the, the miraculous is literally happening there. They have gifted preachers. They have the spirits moving and yet they're also really struggling in ways. Mm-hmm. And so the invitation is just always back towards one another through the power of Jesus. Yeah. The Corinthian church is vain, egotistical, yeah. influenced by culture. Yeah. But 
you know, some of them are trying to work it out and that's all of us. Yeah. They're, and that's the thing. They're too Corinthian and not enough Christian. <sighs> that would have been a good t-shirt. A book I recommend. Oh, do you have one? You Are What You Love by Jamie Smith. Oh yeah. So that is a totally good book. That is a great book about how what you love will ultimately shape what you worship. Yeah. James K.A. Smith. Yeah. Or Jamie, James. Yeah, Jamie Smith, James K.A. Smith. Yeah. yeah. He takes like the Augustine, Augustine, mm-hmm. like ordered heart idea and kind of makes it contemporary. And so some of the stuff you were saying, I was like, oh, I, Jamie Smith talks about well, that. Well, it's before the sermon still. So I've got time to go back and review it. It should be fantastic. It's a short book. It's not that short and it's smart. I have it here somewhere. He's so smart. super smart. Yeah. Oh, here it is right here. Hold on. Yeah. It is. How many pages do you think it is? 370. Dude, 370. Get out of here with It's 190. 190? Yeah. I could do that tomorrow. I told you in so long. I don't want to read it. <laughs> That's what I heard you say. Anyway, thank you, so, Sean. Can we wrap this up so I could go scroll some more internet content of the Maldives? I'm going to throw this book at your head. Go read this book instead. <laughs> read this one. Uh, and they're both adequate research for this sermon. Both Instagram Maldives posts and James Case. It's so. almost like we didn't just talk. Like it's almost like we didn't just have this conversation. It, no, it's I seem to go preach to myself as we always do. Amen, brother. Well, thank you, Sean. Excited for yeah, the sermon excited. series and everything it has. And I'm excited about church in the morning. I will continually be excited about that until we move to earlier. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know. Who knows how long we'll be in, in any format that we're in. This is a church it. plant. People stay flexible. I love it. Yeah. We're going to start doing like Tuesday afternoons sooner than later. Like, <laughs> we know that this is a hard time. We just for call you, that youth group. But we're yeah. a church. Oh, I have more. Well, we're not on Tuesdays anymore, bro. Oh, dude. Oh yeah. That's another announcement. It's too. already, it's out there. I know. It's very much it's out a, there. It's a big deal. Wednesdays dude, back. I've heard that you can run a good youth group on Wednesday nights. I've, I've heard, heard it's I've been heard done tell. really well. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Now that we have St. Andrews under our wings with us, partnering with us, man. Serving I just, them, blessing those people. Oh, dude, they're serving their us. pastor, offer them you, the world's greatest. Oh, hush. No, They I'm, are not ready for the dude, games they're about to play. It's not even that. It's just like to have so many new students. And I, I look at them as like experts of the St. Andrews story because that's their church. Sure. And like we come into this room every Tuesday and I'm like, I don't know how this works. I don't know how that works. And it like seriously takes away. Yeah. from the program, but to have students there and to have some of their staff help, we have like, we're hiring an assistant mm-hmm. who goes there. Like, mm-hmm. dude, we're going to just start crushing it so much harder than we already are. Honestly, I cannot I think wait. It's, I think it's just a really important thing too, to have people come along who, who don't know like the birth story of coastline, right. but ju- like don't have the pain in the baggage. It's just, you're just a church that meets here and it kind of allows us to really close one chapter of coastline and move. Yeah you know, into the next one. Yeah. And it's so fun to do it on a different day. Like it just feels yeah. like this is really new Yeah, um, and I'm excited. So yeah, it's so funny. We had burritos and we talked about it like at two o'clock the day before I was like, maybe you should go to Wednesdays in the next day you'd heard from the Lord. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really want to get into it last year at the end of summer, I basically gathered all the students mm-hmm. and I, I gave them all big pieces of whiteboard paper you're familiar with mm-hmm. or not whiteboard paper, like grid paper, you know, like the ones you can rip off and stick on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And I said, like, write the perfect youth group, you know, and everybody's writing it and, you know, they're in groups and it's, you know, it's a good time. And then at the end, I'm like, this is great. It's awesome. But I really want to go to Wednesdays. And so many students were like, we don't want to do Wednesdays. Like, you know, we still maybe go to another church and sure. we want to make a decision. And I said, okay, what about next year? They said, okay, yeah, give us a year. And then I could just completely forgot I said that. Yeah. And then you said that at burritos, mm-hmm. you were like, oh yeah, we should, what about Wednesdays? And I thought to myself, like, Oh no, I want to move to Wednesdays. I want that. You're right. I forgot I wanted that. And then yeah. I met with Peter and he's like, what about Wednesdays? I was like, yeah. ding, ding. I just felt like God kind of lined it up. 
they kind of all hit us at the same time. Bada bing, bada boom. Talk about uncommon. I don't know. I tried to land the plane there. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> I, I, I thought bada bing, bada boom was the key moment. Well, that's going to be the title of that. <laughs> what did I, I did something really weird at the last podcast. I like. Cut I, your ear open? Well, yes. I think I said ding or something like that. And you're like, what are you doing? I don't remember this. Bada bing, we do bada a lot of these podcasts. I know, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, it, the mic in this thing's always hooked up in my office now. Yeah. I, I don't unplug it. I see that you're doing now like a internet show. Oh your, no! Your no, corner, no, cor- no, 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 like wow, talks from the wow, corner. It's always nice to meet a fan. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, that was just spoiler alert. No one wants to read five paragraphs of like news. They want to just hear it in three minutes. And so I was like, I can film this video and be done in an hour instead of yeah. drafting an email and sending it to people. So sure. that's what that was. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll sign your um your book on the way out. Yeah, so can you autograph my phone? <laughs> Let this disciple you. Sure. That's good. Anyway. So we'll see you next week, everyone. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for getting us back on track. We'll You're supposed you. to say. No, no, I know, no, no. I just I, I just am appreciative that we were going a little off the rails and you pulled it right back in. You know, Hunter, if there's anything <laughs> you and I do, it's go off the rails. And you know what? That's how we're going to end it. Sure. <laughs>